What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome to the Scoop Board Order. We are live. It is Thursday, and we have an All-American coming to campus. We have a freshman All-American from Ole Miss at a huge position of need in cornerback, 6'2", 185. Um, super excited about this one. This is one that just popped up on the radar tonight on BuckeyeScoop.com. Uh, he is visiting uh, kind of the who's who of college football right now, but Ohio State feels really good about what they uh, they see in him and what they hear, and that depth chart is a barren wasteland. So with that being said, I think that uh, the Bucks are going to pull out all the stops for this kid, and I'm super excited about him. That being said, as always, we're very thankful and grateful for you guys. Uh, thank you guys for being a part of us with us tonight. Um, if you uh, if you would please leave us a like and subscribe to the channel, those are both huge for us. The page has been growing magnificently, all thanks to you. Comment down below. What do we need more, corners or tackles? Tackles or corners? Those seem to be the two positions that everybody's worried about. I think that the offensive line will be fine. I am not as sure about the cornerback room. So this kid showing up is a is a big get. Um, again, he's a four star kid. Played a ton for Ole Miss. Started was a freshman All American. Uh, David, his name is Davison Igbinoson, and he is from Jersey, uh, Union, New Jersey. Went down to Ole Miss for a year, uh, had a good year, freshman All-American, and now he is uh, looking around. Um, some of these guys, they, they play over their initial offer list, and he looks like he's one of them. So with that being said, I'm going to bring in my good friend, Nevada. Buck Nevada, how are you? Doing great. Uh, doing I'm glad that you uh, were able to pronounce that last name, the the Davison Igwe de Bigginson, and that was uh that was well done, Mr. Well, Barton. It, you were working on that all afternoon. Ig, I can tell. Well, it's like Sabino, like Etienne Sabino. So it's Ig Ig, like Iggy Azalea or Instagram Live. Then Bino B I N O, and then Sun, like the Rising Sun. So let's use Igbino Sun. So now that I have it, Davison Igbigo Sun is a guy at a huge position of need. Nevada, how big would it? be to get this kid to commit to Ohio State and help shore up that back end? I mean, it'd be enormous on so many different levels. And that, the good news is that Ohio State realizes it, and they're, they're going to pull out all the stops on this one. They're rolling out the red carpet. They're going to throw the bag at the kid. And uh, if they don't get him, it won't be for lack of trying. But uh, Ohio State's definitely going to put their best foot forward. Um, you're talking about a guy who you came in out of New Jersey was a was a freshman All American at Ole Miss, uh, playing at a position anywhere where they 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 got a spot for him to walk right in and start on a on a team that's going to be a heavy favorite to be in the top two or three next year and you know right there to be the national champion. So I think it's uh, there's a lot to to offer him. There's a lot to that would entice him to come. Obviously, you've got stiff competition with you know anytime you've got Tennessee or you know USC or UCLA and there's other schools that are. Uh, in the mix, but Ohio State feels like they've got a chip in a chair, and they're going to uh, they're going to pull out all the stops to get the. What um, 
what would you do? So far, we've been we've been decent in the portal. Um, what would you do, Drew, if you ran NIL, if you were Mark Pantone? What would you do to try to up the proficiency of the guys that we offer? And again, I know some of it is we just flat out don't promise guys jobs, which some schools do, and then they yank the rug out from under them when they don't start. But what would you do? Would you change that strategy? Would you... Um, obviously it's easy to say, go raise more money and pay more for these kids. But, um, what would you do? Well, I think again, we try to avoid NIL discussions because we know that people tune off as we start talking about NIL, but basically, you know, NIL is, is really three different things. It's, it's payments for existing players on the roster. It's payment for high school seniors that you want to get on as recruits. And then in this case, it's payments is for portal or transfer kids. And I just would focus each one of my collectives on on each one of those objectives, have them understand exactly what they're uh, what they're supposed to do, and uh, then you know, let her rip. But uh, I I think you can't have all three collectives doing a little bit of nothing. I think you've just got to have each one of them specialized. That's what I would do if I was nil king for a day. And from an Ohio State perspective, with this kid. I just say, look, you want to play at the highest level, you want to have a chance to win a national championship, and um, you know nobody's put more cornerbacks in the league than Ohio State. And so you know, we, there's we're CBU for a reason. Come here and uh, you know let's reconstitute CBU, be, be an All American in Ohio State, and be a legend in Ohio, and that pay dividends your whole life. So I know that'll be part of the pitch, and hopefully he's listening. Do you think that you you should promise this kid a starting job, freshman All American from Ole Miss? I mean. Seems pretty proficient. It, I, I mean, I, I normally say ne- you never would promise to get a starting job, but I think this is almost like a, that Justin Fields situation where Justin Fields came in, wanted assurances that he was going to start, you know, after kind of his, his experiences there in Georgia, and uh, they said, "Yeah, you know, you're you're the you're the guy, you're the starter," and you know, goodbye, Mister Tater, and goodbye, Matt Baldwin, and in this case, yeah, I would. I would promise them a starting job and let the chips fall where they may. Yeah, I think that that uh, that that seems like the optimal move, just because we just really need another corner. Like, I mean, obviously, I think Jordan Hancock still has a shot to to prove that he can do something, but you know, the, some of these guys got to step up and and get going in their careers. You know, I mean, that was a a surprisingly weak position last year. Um, you know, De- I mean, Denzel Burke's a guy that I think was, you know, we had very high hopes for. We're talking all American preseason that didn't materialize. Um, so a lot of these guys, you know, they're, they're trying to, you know, be in their bag this year and, and be three and out and be like kind of the old guard of corners, like Marshawn Lattimore and uh, Denzel Ward and some of these guys that were superstars. And uh, yeah, I think we got to work to get back to that. Um, and for you, those of you on YouTube right now, we were watching, uh, this is his film uh, again, he's from Jersey. So, you know, this is a, uh, you know, Ole Miss, I, I don't generally think that they're a huge power of, of getting guys from from the good schools in Jersey, but he's a Jersey kid, so I do think that helps more so than if he was a, a kid from the South, Georgia, Florida, you know, Bama, Louisiana. I think we'd have about no chance of getting him, but yeah, we've had a lot of attrition in that room. There's a lot of uh, kind of turmoil in that room right now, so it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. I think that, um, again... You know, we're, we're a few cover guys away from from really being good next year. And and again, I, I know everyone always worries about the line just because that's their nature. But I, I think that our line is going to be fine. I really do. Um, Nevada, we talked a little bit about uh, yesterday. You had a nugget, kind of a support staff nugget. 
talking about one of the greatest Buckeyes of all time, James Laurinaitis. Uh, talk a little bit about you know the effort uh, Ryan Day is putting forth to kind of backfill some of the positions that were, um, you know, a lot of those guys got promoted. Uh, they became full time coaches for Kevin Wilson. Uh, you know, there's a, a kid moved down to Minnesota. You know, some of these guys, um, you know, they're progressing in their coaching careers. Generally, you don't put down roots for very long in, uh, especially as a young coach. Um, but talk a little bit about, you know, the backfilling and what kind of strategy would you have if you're Ryan Day with your, with your top 10 coaches that are eligible to go on the road to recruit. And then, uh, you know, your, your young coaches, your, your quality controls and your GAs. Well, you know, it's interesting because, you know, Dave's really making a heavy emphasis on kids that have, or kids that, that you know, young men that have, um, you know, connections to Ohio State, that have connections to Ohio football to try to you know, reestablish the culture and really deepen the culture, you know, within the room. And, you know, James Laurinaitis is a guy that's that's a big target for him. And, you know, we've talked about this before, but James had wanted to come work at Ohio State and had reached out a number of times and, and really hadn't had the interest reciprocated. And a lot of that was because Ryan was concerned that if, if you put James in the linebacker room, that the linebackers would be looking to him and not be listening to Al Washington. And there was a concern that he would kind of overshadow the existing coach in the room. And I think that they, they don't have those concerns with Jim Knowles. Um, you know, they're looking, you know, to, I think they're a little bit more secure with, uh, with what they have from having an elder statesman like that in the linebacker room. And now I think the, uh, the reception for James may be a little bit more, you know, more fruitful and they're leaning forward a little bit more. And, and he's certainly a guy that, that I think would be a great, you know, addition to the staff. And, you know, we've talked about how the NCAA is kind of loosening up these or potentially loosening up all these rules on the support staff regarding, you know, on-field coaching, potentially on recruiting, on, on numbers. And, you know, if you're going to start adding numbers of guys, you know, beyond your 10, a guy like James Laurinaitis would have to be 10A or 10B or 11 or whatever it is, but that's a guy that you want. I mean, you look at Brian Hartline and the success he had, and there's no reason to believe that James Laurinaitis couldn't be every bit as successful as Ryan Hartline is just, you know, on, on a different side of the ball. He's, he's, he's that impressive. He's, uh, you know, that, that persuasive and, uh, you know, his knowledge base is that deep. So I think it'd be a great ad for Ohio State and certainly an indication that Ryan Day is kind of getting – the whole importance of having those Ohio connections and uh, that Ohio state culture, which is uh, so important to the program. Yeah. I think James is a guy that um, has no ceiling when it comes to being a coach. Uh, he really didn't have a ceiling you know, as a player. He was a, a guy that played, you know, 10 ish years in the NFL. He was a great captain at Ohio state, a three time all American, uh, just a fantastic player. He's a great teammate. I was actually a captain with him in 07 when he was a junior captain I was a senior, um, but just a, a kid that does everything the right way. And, you know, when he said he wanted to sink his teeth into the coaching profession, I was like, dude, you're going to be a head coach, you know, sooner than you think. And, and, you know, Marcus Freeman is his best friend. So Marcus, you know, got the job at Notre Dame. And, you know, if you're James, I think that if you can stay um, with Marcus, you know, who is, you know, your, your best friend and he's, you know, the guy that you've grown up with and, and he's already, you know, a superstar in the profession, being the head coach at Notre Dame at such a young age. I think that, you know, James sees a similar path for himself. And I think that he's a guy that, you know, for, you know, my biggest concern about the current coaching staff is, you know, I, I just, I don't know how good some of the recruiters are. Like some of the guys are getting older. 
Um, I think James would be an injection of nitrous into the the veins of our recruiting, especially on the defensive side. Um, you know, we got you know a couple older guys that aren't big time social media, you know, big time social media guys, and and James is you know he's he's not a big social media guy, but he's a big name. You know, he walks in, talks to people. Um, you know, coaches remember who he was, and players remember who he was, and you know they can look him up and say, yeah, this guy. You know, when he says something, he's a first-round pick, played 10 years in the league, a three-time All-American, and was one of the most intelligent linebackers in school history easily. I mean, he was a guy that was always in the right spot, um, studied film religiously. And, and, you know, those guys usually translate into being really solid coaches because uh, he wasn't just like a physical traits guy that was just so physically overwhelming that he was good. But I think that um, it'd be real interesting because, like, I think that if you, if you bring in James Laurinaitis – and you make them a top 10 coach, then all of a sudden it's like you have a Brian Hartline for defense. So, you know, because when one of these guys that's a superstar comes back and coaches at his alma mater, then he's it's more testimony than theory. Say, look, I went to Ohio State. This is how my life turned out. I had 10 years in the league, beautiful family, millions of dollars in the bank. Now I get to coach here and, and, and grow and prosper. And it, it, you see what it did like for Luke Fickle's career. Mike Vrabel started there. Um, I think it's just easier to recruit when it's your alma mater. Now, I um, I lived it, you know, when I did it for three years, and, and I loved it. It's a lot easier to be authentic when you're somewhere that you actually do love and somewhere that you actually um, did, you know, you were a captain there. And, and I always wonder, like, when a guy like, you know, Brett Bielema goes to Wisconsin or Illinois, and he's he wants to play football in Iowa. It's like, it's always kind of funny. It's like, like with Luke at Wisconsin. Like, he has to sell Wisconsin, even though he himself didn't pick Wisconsin. So... But I'm excited. I, I think that uh, the prospects of James potentially coming back would be great. I think that it's tough when you've got Luke Fickle and, and Marcus Freeman at two really good jobs right now. And and who knows, you know, if they'll have a more prominent role for him now. But it'll be interesting to watch who we who we bring in to backfill the support staff. Um, Nevada, uh, this point of the offseason is always interesting because there's always some some guys that are that are on the grind those guys that are uh, it's winter conditioning it's a tough time of the year these guys are getting broke off by mickey marotti um you know what what do you do this time of the year to to help ohio state supporters kind of cope with their not being football because we're always digging for info and coaching stuff and the portal um uh, to me the portal's been a godsend for you know just new fresh information to talk about every day like we're basically we're running this entire podcast based on a kid that entered the portal that could visit Ohio State. But, you know, what? what's your advice to Ohio State fans other than joinbuckeyescoop.com? Well, I just think now, like you said, you, you know, with the transfer portal, you know, the transfer portal period, you know, is, is going to take us right into, you know, the, the heart of, of winter conditioning. And then before you know it, we're going to be kicking it off for spring ball. And then after spring ball, we're going to have another transfer portal transfer period. So we're going to have a, another outflow of guys from Ohio State and an inflow of guys from other schools. And, then we're in the summer conditioning and fall camp and it's going to be going, but uh, no, it's uh, look, there's just no off season anymore. It's the, there, there used to be a time when the, you know, the, the last game would go and it would be a, you know, a long cold winter until you kind of, you know, got there to back up some football, but now there's really no off season. And, you know, from, when you're from running the site, it's like, you just, it's like every day there's some other news breaking, whether it be you know, coaching movement, you got to remember too, you know, we have another signing day coming up. So it's like, you know, you've got a signing day, you've got coach movement, you've got you know, portal movement, you've got winter conditioning. So, yeah, lots lots going on more so than any other time before. There's 
been so many changes in college football, but from a uh, from an entertainment standpoint, the uh, it, it never stops. It's 24-7-365, that's for sure. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I'll take some questions. So this is a good question. So I couldn't get his old Miss tape. No, um, great question. I love the name. Quiz. Kia Kia's fresh or whatever says I couldn't get the Ole Miss tape. I could not I could not get the tape so uh this is literally but I figured since he's one year out of high school this isn't totally stale tape this is from literally a year ago when he was a high school senior uh he played his true freshman year at Ole Miss so this is the quickest thing I could find of of him just of him cut up for 11 minutes so you know I think uh well, you, what, what was like? You could get the tape, just you would be violating all the copyright rules. Well, it's like, yeah, we could we yeah. could run it right now, but then we'd have we'd have the YouTube censor bots attacking us tonight, and then we'd yeah. be like, hey, look at this great old Miss son, and then all of a sudden the YouTube bots would come and shut us down. So yeah, yeah. that's generally the way that there works on a on all that copyrighted material. That's that's why this huddle film's better. It really is. I um. Mark, I appreciate you being on here, man. I look forward to seeing you at the Army All-American Bowl. Um, Nevada, Frank Wright gets the Panthers job. I thought the Panthers job was the best job that was open uh, with the draft capital that they have. Um, you know, they stunk this past year, and they you know, they kind of uh, they went full. You know, they traded Christian McCaffrey. They gutted the roster. Um, a lot of draft capital, a lot of cap space. Um, some decent young parts there. Uh, thoughts on CJ's job potentially landing with the Carolina Panthers. Um, they've got a young left tackle who's really good. Um, but your thoughts on that, Nevada? It'd be interesting. I actually think that'd be a great spot for CJ. And I think it, you know, obviously you, you don't have the weight of expectations in that situation. And, and Carolina's not a dumpster fire. You know what I'm saying? You know, you've got, I think he could grow and they'd kind of give him time to grow and, you know, Carolina showed a little bit of gumption there down the stretch, winning some games when everybody thought that they had no business winning games. Now, not I'm not talking about stupidly winning like uh, like the Texans throwing the Hail Mary and then going for two to, to win, that type of thing. But, I mean, they, Carolina just went out and won game were just better than teams down the stretch. So I think uh, that's a spot where that, that, that's a team that could get good in a hurry, and I think that would be a great landing spot for CJ. Yeah, I, I agree. I think CJ, again – they just spent a, a high first round pick on a left tackle who's a really good player. I think that helps. Um, yeah, they've they've invested in their offensive line, which helps. Uh, I mean, the running game wasn't terrible. I mean, I had Deontay Foreman in fantasy; he was pretty good. I mean, for most of the year, and and they got DJ Moore, so they have like a big time you know first round wide receiver. So there are parts there. I just think that you know in the NFL anymore, man, it's like if you're not going to be competitive to win a Super Bowl it's better just to tear the whole thing down and get picks and get rid of payroll. It's kind of like what the bears. Did. I think the bears are going to be really good in a couple of years because they tore everything down except for Justin Fields. You know, they, they, and they got the number one pick, but they got rid of, you know, Roquan, who, which I thought was crazy, but you know, Roquan to send for a hundred million. And if the bears are going to stink for the next four or five years, you might as well go all the way, go full stink. Um, you know, and Justin Fields will be entering year three. So we'll see what they can get out of him. And, yeah, yeah, but explain to me. Explain to me on the Bears. The Bears trade Roquan. They're going like you said. They're going full suck mode, and then they trade for Claypool. Like what, that. What was that? That was totally idiotic. I, I can't. I can't explain that. And and I and Ryan Poles and I were at we were training camp 
teammates in in Chicago. He got cut in training camp. I made the team, um, but so I've known. It's funny. I knew I knew Ryan when he was literally absolutely nobody. Like he was he was he played at Boston College. He was a kid that Ohio State actually wanted. He was a kid that a lot of people on Bucknuts wanted. They wanted Ryan Pulse. He was in my recruiting class. Kid from New York ends up going to BC. Um, he stunk as a player. Uh, started I think maybe one year at BC and. and he just wasn't very good, but he is now the general manager of the Chicago Bears, which will never not be hilarious to me. Um, just because I knew Ryan before you know anybody knew Ryan, but he, uh, I, I don't know. Like I, like a second round pick for Chase Claypool has got to be one of the worst trades I've ever seen, just because you know a, a really you know second round pick is a, that's a good starter in the NFL, and is Chase Claypool a guy who's you know kind of getting towards the end of his rookie deal, and are you going to re up him and pay him now and? You know, because that's the thing that, like, you know, the Bills general manager talked about, and he's right, is that, you know, the Bengals have a small window to be really good because Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase are on the rookie deals. So, you know, when you got to pay Joe Burrow $50 million a year and you got to pay Chase $20 million a year, then, you know, that's $70 million instead of, you know, say they're making, I don't know, $15 million this year. It just, you know, it completely whacks out the rest of your roster because you have to cut really good players to, to, you know, absorb that, that, that salary hit and it's tough. And, you know, and, and like with the bears, you know, they're gonna have a decision to make on Justin Fields in two years. Cause I mean, he's going to be end of his fourth year. He's got one more year left in his fourth year. They're going to decide if he'll do the fifth year option or not, if they want to extend him. And you know, there was a thought like, I mean, Michael Lombardi from NFL.com said he would trade fields now, if you could get a one and a three for him and, and reset and take Bryce young at number one overall. So, I mean, you know, that, that, that clock ticks. As soon as you take that rookie quarterback, man, it is like the clock is ticking for, you know, how long can you take to build it up and while your quarterback's still on the rookie deal? Because, you know, you see these deals that go out for some of these starting quarterbacks. Like Kyler Murray's making $45 million a year, and you're just like, oh, my God, that team is going to be in salary cap hell for the rest of their lives because of that big deal. Um, But, no, you're, uh, your thoughts on the teardown thing. Because some of those interesting things, I don't think Urban – as bad as everyone says he was in, in Jackson, it was a dumpster fire. Um, the, his teardown and, and some of the picks he hit on are really good. Like Walker Little, their left tackle, is really good. I mean, he was fantastic. And obviously, Lawrence was an easy pick. But some of their middle round guys that they they picked in some of their free agent signings have actually turned out to be really good players. And and I think that you know he'll never get any credit for it just because of how everything ended and, and some of the stuff in the middle of the year. But, I mean, I think the full teardown and, and build back is the way to – to really get a shot to win the thing, but you just have to stink for a little bit, which nobody really wants to do. But what are your thoughts on that, Nevada? You are on mute. I think that's what you got to do. I think it's the only way to do it. Yep. Because like I said, you only have that window's only open just for a short period of time. And then after that, you're done. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, You guys uh, keep firing with these questions. I know it, and it's funny, Mike. I agree with this. I think Urban, if he would have stayed in Jacksonville, I mean, again, they beat the Buffalo Bills last year. You know, his one year in Jacksonville when they stunk, they somehow beat Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs and like a really good Buffalo team. So, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, it didn't work. It was a, a miserable ending and an embarrassing ending. But I, um, I agree. I, I think that you know he had when he took that job, he had a lot of draft capital, a lot of first round picks, second round picks. And he had a ton of cap space. So if you have that and you can go out and sign Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram and all these guys that turned out to be really good parts, then 
you know, and and he didn't get the credit for getting for. I mean, everyone panned him when he took Travis Etienne, but Etienne was really good this year. And they traded. You know, he saw James Robinson, who was an undrafted guy and kind of a rookie phenom, and and you know he basically stunk. You know, I think he tore his Achilles last year, but this year they traded him for literally nothing to the Jets. So. Um, no, my favorite, my favorite, my favorite comment when they were talking, they were, I think it was, they were quoting Peterson or they were quoting somebody and they were like, the room was so broken. I wasn't even sure if anybody would show up to camp this oh year. And it's, it's like, I'm like, oh yeah, wow. They're none of the guys are going to show up because Urban was so mean to them. They're not going to come get their oh money. God. It's like but a bunch of drama. Dude, I, I I used to love working out in the off season because you, you they pay you like two hundred bucks a day to work out, and I'm like, this is the greatest thing in the world. Because what 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 am I? And again, I was the lowest guy on the totem pole. I was the bottom of the roster guy. But like, what am I do? Stay home and not work out. And plus, like, if you're a bottom of the roster dude, you you don't miss anything. Like the only guys that miss stuff are like Tom Brady and like you know some guy that's make you know, that's at the very top of the food chain and he's got that kind of yank. But if you're a guy that's bottom of the roster, man, you are not missing workouts. You're at every workout. And so I, I did think that was a little traumatic by Doug Peterson. It was like, I wasn't even sure if we could ever get anybody to come up because everyone's so sad because Urban was a big meanie. I'm like, good God. I was like, like none of their high school coaches or college coaches ever yelled at them. Come on. Now, now Kirk, here, I've got three players for you. I want you to tell me where they go in the first round. Okay, CJ Stroud, Paris Johnson, Jackson Smith, and Jigbo. What, what, where do you think they go? Oh. Uh, I love the thought of Paris going to Tennessee because then I can watch him and Nick Petit Frere, two of the 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 five star tackles that Greg Sudoir brought in, recruited here, um, both on the same team. That would be fantastic. I think CJ Stroud. I, it's weird because you know with free agency and everything, it's tough because I I people like there's mocks that have going to the Raiders. I think the Raiders are going to get Brady or Rogers. I really do. I think that they're going to go for Showtime and. Yeah, the, the Brady thing just makes a lot of sense. I mean, with Rodgers reuniting with Devonta makes a ton of sense. But I, you know, I, I think Carolina is a great fit for CJ because they've got a good left tackle already. Um, it's a young team. You know, I, I think I don't think Houston would be terrible, but it really depends on who they hire as a coach. Like honestly, you know, I I kind of just want to see who the Colts hire and who the Texans hire because you know these these guys that these, these teams need quarterbacks and. Uh, you know, it kind of depends on who the head coaches are, you know, because with some of these these head coaches that get hired that are total morons, like I wouldn't want CJ Stroud to go there because you know, the guy's going to get fired in two years and then CJ's going to be set on the like the treadmill of average for the rest of his life. But, um, you know, I mean, Atlanta looks good. I mean, I don't think that's a great situation because I think they're off, their offensive line's terrible. But, I mean, Carolina is really intriguing. I mean, and... And again, you know, are the Bears going to stay at number one? I just, I can't imagine. I'm sure, you know, everyone always says, oh, just trade down, just trade down. But, you know, it's easier said than done just because when you don't have the capital or, or we don't have a trading partner, like, I mean, you know, there isn't really a, a superstar guy at the top that people are going to be dying to trade up and, and give another second round pick or another future first round pick to, to move up for. So um, Jackson is so weird because, you know, the, the stupidity of the draft is already kicking off where they're saying Jackson Smith and Jig was going to be like a second round pick. Like Todd Pache said that today. And I'm like, dude, I, I mean, I, I look at, at 15, the Green Bay Packers, you know, who needs a receiver more than the Green Bay Packers? You know, they've got him take, uh, Mel Kuyper saying has him taking Michael Mara tight end. And it's like, I think Tanyan's fine. I mean, you know, I'm sure if you're at 15 and the Packers pass on Jackson Smith and Jigba, 
you know, Nevada Buck, big Packers fan, you probably go into conniptions, I'd imagine. But uh, what do you think, Nevada? So I, I want Tennessee for Paris. Um, God, I, I just think CJ with Carolina makes so much sense. But I don't know. Carolina's probably going to have to move up from nine, I'd imagine. Um, and, and then, you know, Jackson's with Jigba at 15. But, like, the Will Levis thing is hilarious because everybody thinks he stinks, but he's he's going to be the guy this year that everyone's going to say, Oh, imagine if he had, you know, if he played at Ohio State and he had Jackson Smith and Jigba and, and Marvin Harrison and Emeka Buka. Like, it's, there's always these guys that, you know, I think CJ Stroud kind of gets knocked down a touch because his weapons were so good, because Ryan Day is so good, because the Big Ten stinks. Uh, and, and, and guys like Levis who play Kentucky where their O line was terrible, their skill was terrible this year. He didn't have Wendell Robinson, he didn't have the good off- offensive line that he had the year before. Uh, he gets bumped up because they like to do these. Well, imagine if CJ played for Kentucky and didn't have, you know, all these great weapons and Levis played at Ohio State. He'd have won the Heisman. Like, that's kind of the games that these guys, they do that with like Zach Wilson and all these guys that just come out of nowhere and they end up Trey Lance. They go above Justin Fields and they go above guys that we watch and we think, well, God, that guy's really good. I can't believe Justin Fields fell that far. And then you look back and you're like, what were the 49ers thinking? Are they just stupid or the Jets? I mean, it's crazy. Where do you think they're going to land, Nevada? Well, you know, it's it, to me, uh, you know, obviously CJ and Paris are like, look, they're going to they're going to go high. They're going to, but J- let's talk about Jackson Smith and Jigger just for a second, then we'll work our way back up. Yeah. I mean, you've got JSN. So on on the bats, let's go look, look on the bats. On the bad side, misses senior year due to injuries. That bad. Don't you don't have senior stuff to look at? That that's bad. Um, we don't know how he's going to run, um, whether he's going to run at the combine. I'm assuming it is, but how he runs at the combine. But let's assume he runs well at the combine. If he runs well at the combine, how do you not take him in that Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams spot? Because he's the same guy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, he's the same guy. I mean, if you ask Olave and Wilson, they'll say, Jackson Smith and Jig was, yeah, they've said it. They think that he's better than those two. And those two guys were turned out to be pretty good NFL players. So, uh, you know, I, I, if he's sitting there at 15 and the Packers don't pick him, then, then yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feel much like I did when they, when they picked Jordan, traded up to take Jordan love and pass on T Higgins and, and uh, did it to so, uh No, I'm, I'm, I think Jackson goes top 15 for sure. I think Paris goes top 10. Um, you know, t- Tennessee, as much as they love to run the ball, would love to get them. You know, I mean, there's they're somebody who's really going to, you know, covet a player like that. And and for uh, for CJ, I, you know, I mean, Houston, I just think Houston's got to take them. I think they just got they, – they can't they can't not take them. But, you know, Bryce Young's a good player. But, you know, if, I, if I'm taking it in between Bryce Young and – and CJ, you know, it's, it, it'd be hard. It'd be hard not to take Bryce Young. You know, I mean, let me put that back at you, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud. Who you, who you picking your GM for your NFL team? Is, am I the GM of the Houston Texans? Yes. I mean, I take Stroud. I, okay. I just think he's he's a pure thrower. You got a great. You got Larry McTunsil, the best left tackle in the game. Um, you know, you're playing in a dome for half the season, which is huge. Um, you know, and really they play the Colts too. So that's a dome Jacksonville's warm weather. So 
you know, for the throwing game, you're in the dome a lot, which helps. Uh, but, you know, I, the hardest part with CJ is like, you know, is he going to run? Because, again, like, you know, everyone thinks, oh, you can't run, you can't run. I'm like, well, he better run. Because in the NFL, the, the ends and tackles are so much more athletic and so much better. The defensive schemes are better. Uh, you know, and these quarterbacks get hit a lot. So, I mean, you know, if, you, if you're just going to think you're, you're, you're not going to be able to escape the, the rush, like, that's the one thing with Bryce Huggins, he's, he's more athletic. Now, the flip is he's also very small. He's like Tua Jr., you know, so and Tua is about one concussion away from being shelved for the rest of his career because he's, he's really been beat up by the Dolphins so far this year. And, and you know, these, these little thin guys, these frail guys, they don't make it. Like Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, I mean, these guys get injured, they get hit. Um, it's a big man's game. And that's why guys like Roethlisberger play 20 years and these little guys last for five, six years and they're done. You know, Roethlisberger, Brady, those guys are hulks. You have Phillip Rivers, 6'4". Um, yeah, the, like the big, strong guys are the guys that can last. Like you need a little bit of padding. Dan Marino lasted you know, forever in the league, but that's um, it's a great question. Well, uh, we got to wrap this. I know uh, you had a hard stop at. Uh, no, we, at, we we can keep, I, we can keep going. I got another, I got another well, fifteen minutes. We can take right. some more questions. Well, let's Perfect. do it. Well, well, we got a super chat that I had to get before we're done. It's David Greenshield, do you think Donnie Jackson will need to play left tackle? I. At you put a gun to my head and ask me who's going to be the starting left tackle week one, I'm going to say it's going to be Zen, and Donnie's going to be the left guard. I just think that they like the length out there. I think that um, you know the stuff that I've heard from people that you know I trust on the offensive line, the Woody Hayes, like they really want Zen to win the job. So I think that uh, in in my world, if I was Justin Fry and filling out the lineup card day one, I put Zen at left tackle, I put Donnie at left guard, I put Matt Jones at center. Um, Enoch at right guard, and then your right tackle, you got to go Josh Fryer, and then you rotate in the Cutler kid, um, who came from Louisiana Monroe. I mean, I can't imagine you you guaranteed him a starting spot. You rotate him in as the second team left tackle, second team center. Um, yeah, then you maybe try him at center the next day with Matt Jones at right guard. Uh, and, and maybe you, you you put Donnie out at left tackle for for a, you know a day every other day, alternate with Zen. But really, I mean, they want Zen to win the job. So, you know, if Zen can do it, he'll do it, and we'll be in good shape. But, I mean, there's a lot of pressure on him. And I'm telling you, like, he's got JT2 Malowau, and he's got Jack Sawyer every day in practice. So, you know, when you're you're going against guys like that, you got to eat your Wheaties and be ready to roll because it is going to be a mofo in practice every day. That's kind of the best part about going to Ohio State is, like, you treat every practice like a game. You have to. Like, when I played there – I had as much anxiety and nerves and all that for practice as I did a game because if you don't show up in a major way, then uh, you know you can you can get smacked. So it's uh, it's tough. It just uh, it kind of is what it is. So I am, um, yeah. I don't know. I I, I think that uh, with my druthers, I think they want Zen to win it. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. I think, you know, and, and, you know, Donnie, I guess the big question really is, do you think Donnie Jackson sees himself in the NFL projected out to being a guard or a tackle? You know, not that he needs to kind of make that decision right now or, or that that really, you know, impacts him too heavily in terms of his plan. But, you know, it, it, it seems pretty obvious to me that he'll be a guard in the NFL. And, you know, again, not that playing tackle would, would hurt his ability to play it in the end of, you know, in, in, in college. But no, I th- I'm with you. I think they really want Zen to be the guy and uh, hopefully he steps up. And if he is able to step into that spot, then 
the line's deep and, and talented and, and, and we're not going to have any problems at all. So uh, I'll, I'll be rooting for him to have a good spring. Yeah, I think that uh, you get Zed and Josh out there. We'll be fine. A- again, like you guys have to remember the year that we won the national title, we started Jacoby Boren, who was a two-star, Daryl Baldwin, who was a two or three-star defensive tackle, uh, freshman year Billy Price, sophomore elf line. I mean, it wasn't like we rolled out Orlando Pace and Corey Stringer and, you know, whoever. I mean, like this wasn't like a line. I mean, everybody the, – the funny thing about this year and all the anxiety around the offensive line in 2023 is it reminds me of 2014. Like, I mean, I remember we lost – Muhort and Norwell and Lindsley. Those guys were all, all big 10 players, all really good players. Turns out Corey Lindsley becomes the highest paid center in history of the NFL. Norwell becomes the highest paid guard in the history of the NFL. Jack Muhort second round pick. And, and, you know, Marcus Hall is a very serviceable guy that bounced around the NFL for a little bit. So it's like, you know, we lose those guys and every, a lot of anxiety around the Woody Hayes and around, you know, the Buckeye, stratosphere of 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 people that support ohio state and, and root for ohio state but it turns out that line won a national title so you know this is why justin fry makes a lot of money that's why he does a really good job and you know this is why they call you coach because you gotta whatever cards you're dealt man you gotta get rocking and you gotta go deal them out and and they still might pick up a, another portal guy after spring ball there's gonna be guys that are angry um not just in ohio state but just across the country there's gonna be guys that are upset with their perceived roles on the team and they're going to go jump in the portal and you're going to, you got to go after some of these guys. And I'm sure we'll lose a handful of guys because that's just the natural cycle of college football. Now there's guys that'll, you know, they think they should be second team or they think they should be, you know, getting reps with the ones and they don't get reps. They don't get turns. They don't, you know, and they get upset. And then, you know, their uncle says, Hey, you know, you should transfer to Ole Miss. You should transfer to Florida or wherever. And, and they do. So it, uh, it is something that, you know, it's part of the new part of college football. Um, no, but right. I was thinking about something today, about something today, Kirk. It's, and we've talked a little bit about this before, but I couldn't, I, I've been kind of going through my memory banks and I'm like, we lost three offensive linemen early that still had eligibility, still lost three guys last year. And I'm trying to think about in the history of Ohio State football, how many times have we lost offensive linemen? early to the NFL that still had eligibility. And I could only, I, I think it was the only three I could come up with were like Pace, Stringer, I think, and Michael Jordan. Like, That's all I can come up with. Yeah, I mean, it just, it just doesn't happen. So, yeah, we so lost, we lost Josh Myers left early, uh, Wyatt, but, you know, those guys are after four years. So, but still that's, you know, having guys take off like this is absolutely crazy. And again, it's it's like when people say, you what are you supposed to do with the room? And we don't have any players. I'm like, well, yeah, because they're all too good and they'll leave a year before they're supposed to. So it it kind of uh, it mixes up your your projections when you do that. But 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 it just it's just funny to me that you know for a room that's been so maligned and just so trashed for the past five years, like we're just cranking guys out to the NFL like like you know like steaks at a slaughterhouse in Chicago or something like that. I mean, it's just it's crazy how much talent has come through that room. And we said four guys early between Nick and the three guys that went this year. In the last two years, we said, you know, four guys, we've said multiple stars, the NFL, multiple picks, multiple, every, and this is supposed to be a room where our recruiting was terrible. Our coach was sleeping and nobody was there. And it was a, a, a barren wasteland. And it's been 
you know, short of the, the of the wide receiver room, it's been the most productive room of, of any in, in Ohio State and Ohio State history. But still, we complain. But but but, but I digress. It's just it's just a stupid narrative made by yeah. stupid people. That's all it is. I mean, come on, like just look at the numbers. We've had more over the last seven eight years. We've had more All Big Ten offensive linemen, first, second, third team honorable mention. We've had more of those. We've had more draft picks, more first round picks, more major award winners. We won the the center award twice with Elfline and Billy Price back to back. The the Remington award. So I mean. I don't know. I just think people are stupid and it's a lazy narrative. And, and I, I, I know where it started, so I'm not going to go down that road, but it's just obvious that like, you know, there's some people that, you know, don't like people and they start saying, well, he doesn't do this or that. And I'm like, well, I don't care. It's like if you're a sales guy and you show up for 15 minutes a year and you sell more than anybody, and then you go on vacation for the other 364 days. I'm good with that. I don't care. You know, if you show up to work and you crush it for the two minutes that you're there and then you go home and take a nap and eat Doritos, then good with me as long as your numbers, because I'm a numbers guy. I'm not a, oh, this or that, or because people lie, but numbers don't. You know, when you look at the the, the draft picks, you know, what metric do you want to go? Draft picks, do you want to go number one overall in total offense, rushing yardage, you want to go uh, All-Americans, All-Big Ten, I don't know. I mean, number of five stars. And we had more five stars in the last eight years in the offensive line room than we probably did in the previous, like, 40. You know, we just don't get a lot of five-star offensive linemen because there's not a lot in Ohio. You got to go get them out of state. You got to go get Nick Petit out of Tampa. I mean, Paris is, you know, the one in a million that's actually in the state of Ohio. But then it's slim pickings. So, but no, I, uh, I totally agree. I mean, it just it's just an interesting thing. So, uh, well, um. Yeah, I, I appreciate you guys. Uh, you ready to wrap? All right, oh, let's Sue, keep going. Sue, Sue's got a question. We, we, we got a question. Who do you project as our starting safeties? Yeah, go ahead, Sue. I'm doing who it. You, who Who are you going with, Kurt? Oh, God. Well, I mean, you think it's – I mean, obviously, Lathan's one. Um, that's an easy one. And then it's – you know, is it Jihad? Does he take the spot? Is it Sonny? Is it Kai Stokes? Is it – and there's a lot of guys back there. Proctor's back. Um, you know, I I mean, if, if you put a gun to my head, I'd go Lathan, Kai Six, and Sonny Styles. And I'm happy with that. Big athletes cover a lot of ground. You know, put Kai at free safety. I think he's he'd be excellent at that. So those are my picks. Who are you picking? I'm going Lathan, Jihad Carter, and Josh Proctor. Those are my three. That'll be, I, I don't. I, mean, th- I, I, I don't know how Proctor came back for a six-year. I don't know why he would possibly come back unless he had a pretty good assurance that he was going to be starting. Now again, I, nobody could be more wrong on Josh Proctor than I was this year. So maybe I'm just doubling down on stupid. But I think he's a heck of a player. I think he's a big-time uh, impact guy. I think when you're looking for big plays and turnovers and guys that can kind of create that kind of mayhem, he's a guy that can do that. And he didn't get a chance to do it this year, so I, I look like a big zero on that one. But I'm going to double down and go Josh Proctor having a big year in 2023 one more time. Yeah, but that was, again, that was the weirdest thing I've ever seen in Ohio State history is when Jim Knowles literally on August 12th says he has a chance to be the best safety in the in the entire country. Like, like first round. I mean, he's, his quote literally was, he has a chance to be the best safety in the country. So that, in my head, means first round, All-American, major award type guy and after one play man he got yanked and we never saw him again and, and so that was 
of all the weird stuff I've been around, how a guy can have that glowy of a praise and that glowy of a comment to banish until we're beating Rutgers by 85 points. Like, I don't know. Just, uh, it just, it never made sense to me. So I'd love for, but I would love for him to live up to his promise and be that guy. I mean, cause I mean, he was a guy that was a monster coming out and I've heard great things about him. So it, um, it just is, uh, it's just one of those things. So, well, uh, I'm going to wrap this thing up. We appreciate you guys as always. I'm actually, uh, going to ring back on with Bill, the bank green. We have another, uh, podcast that we're going to start here in about five minutes. So if you guys want to stay tuned, uh, there'll be a fresh link on buckeyescoop.com. Uh, <laughs> I love, I love, uh, I love, I, I agree with you. I think Sonny Salas has to play. He has to be on the field somewhere, somehow, some way. Um, I appreciate that, David. So you guys hang on for a second. I'm going to get Bill the Bank Green in here. Um, but again, as always, we appreciate you guys. Please leave us a like, uh, subscribe to the channel. Uh, if you're listening on an audio format, please leave us a five-star review. And uh, again, we appreciate you guys so much. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, I will be back in about five minutes with Bill Bank Green, and uh, he will be taking your recruiting questions. So thank you guys. You guys have a good one. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.